Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I've got a good group of guys here before that we've had on the podcast uh, from the draw. Uh, We've got Jordan Christensen, Jason Browning, and a a new voice to the podcast, Caleb, who works with these guys. Guys, how you doing? Very good. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Good, Jay. I look forward to chatting with you guys. We've got, I believe, a March 17th deadline here with New Mexico. That puts us about a month out. And I know um, you guys are probably seeing it in your business, the output or the amount of hunters that seem like they're engaging and want to get out in the woods and booking hunts um, is, is gotten crazy. It seems like even more than normal. I'm sure being an application service, you guys have seen that as well. Um, how's it going out there? It's it's really busy, Jay. I mean, uh, and to your point, I think, um, yeah, there there is really a surge. And I think we kind of have a few ideas on where where and why uh, we're seeing a surge. But even, you know, we're, we're kind of come and gone with the, the Wyoming elk deadline and uh, at as the numbers showed, there was an increase in 4,826 non-resident elk applications submitted in uh, in Wyoming this year. So from 22,905 all the way up to 27,731. And uh, yeah, I mean, to just put it bluntly, we're feeling it here. Like it is, it, I got to believe everybody is. It's surging like crazy. Um, I and, think a lot of it too is the 
the hunts up north have, you know, been kind of postponed and canceled and um, seems like everybody internally, or I guess you say domestically, um, they're just wanting to uh, get out and in the United States and do as much hunting as possible. And with the lockdowns, I think people are, it's just pushing uh, people wanting to get out and, and there's, you know, maybe some, a little bit of, you know, when they're locked down, maybe possibly thinking, I don't ever want to be this, this way again, I've got to get out. And I think that's what's, you know, has it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think it. Canada particularly having its borders closed and, uh, unfortunately and horribly, it doesn't look like there's an end in sight, particularly there right now. Um, I feel horrible for a lot of our friends up there that are just praying something something gives and something changes. But in the meantime, I think you're right. You have a huge, huge segment of the population going to Canada, be it for black bears or whitetails or or some of the more elite species, the sheep, the moose, the goats, things like that. And it's not looking good. Uh, it looks it looks like we could have back to back years that that everything is shut down up there, which is horrible. But it's creating an urgency here in the states for guys to swoop up anything they can get their hands on and and the draws really lend themselves to that you know some of these guys have points and they're burning them i'm kind of of the opinion that's a huge segment of what that increase in wyoming was was probably guys who've just saved their points for a long time and now are choosing to burn them but you know being kind of case in point we're talking about new mexico i i think we're seeing a uh, an overall surge and rightfully so here the, there is no point system everybody has an equal chance at it they can roll the dice and if you're not looking to drop 10 grand 15 grand on a landowner permit and things like that then it makes sense to roll the dice for a couple bucks and see if you can't luck into the same hunter or at least an equal one. Yeah, for sure. Um, guys, before we actually get into New Mexico, uh, give a, give the listeners who haven't heard you guys. And I encourage you guys to go back and listen to prior episodes, uh, with these guys from the draw, but give kind of a 30,000 foot, um, overview, if you will, of your business, your business model in, let's say two minutes or less. So, uh, what we are is uh, at the core is an application service. Jay, we we help people apply for hunts wherever an application exists, and we try and be as involved as they would like us to be once that tag is drawn, uh, either in helping to kind of get ready for a DIY experience and or get linked up with a, a reputable outfitter that that we have a good track record with and and that's uh in the core of it that's primarily what we exist to do obviously um a lot of guys don't draw and we kind of lean back on some different things and different opportunities to make sure guys go hunting as often as they would like to but primarily that's that's what we do we we offer a floated service which is gonna really make sense uh in states like new mexico that require the money up front just to get your name in the hat as well as non-floated programs for guys that would just as soon um, put some of those costs uh, that they're going to get back, or, or hopefully, I guess they don't, but potentially get back on their credit cards as well. So however guys want to get taken care of, we're the most complete application service in the country and offer the most complete uh, and, and robust hunt plans to kind of cater to whatever a guy's goals are. And when you say floated, Jordan, you literally mean 
guys can pay their own or you guys offer a plan where you take care of all of the upfront costs? That That's so well, all of the refundable upfront costs. So everyone still has to pay their hunting licenses and their application sure. fees. But like, you know, New Mexico, for example, it's $3,160 just to get your name in the hat for a chance at, at one of our bighorn sheep. Uh, if you would prefer not to tie up that money or more once we get the Ibex and the Oryx in there, maybe you have some kids as well. And, and, and instead of putting it on your line of credit for a fee, we, we, uh, put those people in under our line of credit and with our kids apply free program and our floated program, if you got kids that you're trying to get hunting, it's a no brainer in my opinion. Uh, there's no age limit in New Mexico and with our, our service, you're not even having to, to tie up tens of thousands of dollars to, to at least have them in there and have their chance at it. For sure. Uh, let's dive into New Mexico with our, I uh, believe it's March 17th, correct me if I'm wrong, deadline. Um, you know, one of you, if you could take us through kind of the draw process in New Mexico, again, kind of short and sweet, and then uh, kind of want to dive into the different uh, species themselves. Sure. Caleb, do you want to take that one? Oh, maybe we lost him. Uh, so how it works, Jay, is uh, the New Mexico uh, is a little bit different than really any other state that exists. Essentially, we have uh, an application per genre of, of species, and that application, a hunter can choose three choices uh, and, and all three of those first three choices are going to be looked at prior to moving to the next application. So different than a lot of places, you're you're able to swing for the fence if you would like to uh, for some unicorn type tag uh, as your first choice and yet chase the odds with a second or third choice and and really get the most out of uh, out of the application different than, say, Nevada that lets us have five choices we don't have a point system associated with it in new mexico so uh you really can be a lot more aggressive and it's you're there's not a state in the country that you're going to feel more like a winner than when you successfully pull uh an application in in new mexico uh the other thing that uh the uh the other thing that that we work on and maybe caleb can jump back in here is uh the the guided pool in new mexico Caleb, are you back on? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it makes a lot of sense to go with us in the guided pool. Uh, You know, the the big thing is, um, you know, we work with an outfitter that's licensed in all the units, all the national forests. So, you know, it's a very easy transition to, you know, use our services and and apply in that pool. Um, and, And if, something happens and you do you know get, go end up wanting to hunt with someone else or, or whatnot it's a very simple transition process there um you know we we designed it that way and and think that's definitely the way to go and and kind of sets up really well for for anyone um who's, who's wanting to apply in that guided pool so Caleb, the reason- you've, you've got a situation where guys can apply in a guided pool and in most cases the odds for drawing those tags in the guided pool, which you have to have contracted with an outfitter prior, what you're saying is you guys have a service where you have 
someone can apply and go through the outfitter pool uh, and take advantage of having better chance of success in most of those hunts, correct? As far as drawing. Correct. The, the, in the outfitter pool, it is a better draw odds. Uh, it, you know, the, the probabilities definitely go up. And, and you're right. You have to be with a licensed outfitter to apply in the in the guided pool. And the... Can I jump in there, Jay, yeah. just for yeah. a second? Yeah, so, and and part of the reason that the, the drawing odds are better, right, is because there's 10% of the tags set aside in that guided pool, whereas there is only 6% in the non-resident pool. Um, and really where that started to manifest even more aggressively the last couple of years is is there was not a, a law change, but a uh, an interpretation of a law changed about two years ago in New Mexico. What, what we all call the round up rule was kind of shot down in New Mexico. And what that means is that if uh, if we do the math on some uh, number of uh, tags that are allotted for a hunt code and the the six percent doesn't land on a whole number even if it's say uh 3.9 percent is what six percent is well that that particular hunt code will only allow three tags in the non-resident pool and and that goes for the guided pool and the non-resident pool and so where things get real squirrely in that is that there are actual hunt codes out there that uh, being that there isn't 17 or more permits available, we see this a lot in the antelope specifically, there isn't a non-resident tag. So your odds of drawing that, if you happen to put that as one of your selections, is actually zero as an unguided non-resident because there isn't one available. And so I think even what Caleb's saying too is there's a lot of complexities through that whole process that that we can help guys navigate and and make sure that the the worst thing a guy can do is be submitting an application that you actually had a zero percent chance of drawing and whether they're looking for a guide or or not um we can really maximize the the value that they're going to spend one way or the other uh in looking into applying new mexico but with that being said just what you're saying in in these different states there's thousands and thousands of applications that apply for tags, species, different things that really they don't understand. They don't have a chance. Um, correct? I mean, it's it's like some of the sheep tags yeah, in Arizona right. where they apply and literally there is a 0% chance that they have to draw that tag and they just don't even it's, know it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think that the, between some of the systems uh, and how they were designed and then and now maybe more as they've matured um, you, you're starting to see it in a lot of places Jay where we might as well be writing a donation check to that state because that's all we really did we we didn't try to go hunting we just we jumped through the hoops but with no rhyme or reason and no no understanding of what we were actually I, I just had a gentleman on the phone yesterday explaining to me uh, what he applied for in Wyoming on his own. And I said, well, do you want me to get you a point only application in July? And he's like, well, I, I, they'll just give me one. First of all, that's changed in Wyoming. Second of all, the hunt that he applied for only had three non-resident tags. Therefore, there was not a random tag. And he 
well, he will have had a 0% chance. It happens all the time, unfortunately. But with, and even, you know, that's a, a great way to even invite your listeners, Jay. I mean, whether they're throwing us a, a text message kind of on our website, on a chat, or they just need a quick answer, we're pretty open books and we want to help people. So if whether we're, we end up doing any application service for them or not, if they just need a quick answer to something, heaven forbid, please call for a second because that's, that's, uh, that's very unfortunate when you find out that all the money you just spent really meant nothing. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, Jordan, with Jason, who has been an outfitter in New Mexico, Jason, uh, look forward to hearing your perspective. Um, how do you see New Mexico's draw when you compare, uh, you know, New Mexico's application system, if you will, and, and quality of hunting compared to a bunch of other states? Um, I see it as very high quality and great opportunity compared to a lot of other states. Um, but just curious from an outfitter's perspective, you know, being an outfitter for so long, like you have, Jason, um, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think we have the best system in the union. One of our best mottos here at the draw is, is equal odds are the best odds. And, you know, with there being no point system here in New Mexico, everybody's got the same shot to draw the best tags in the state every year. I do, you do, our customers do, you know, we're all equal every year going in. So, you know, that excitement builds. And I, you know, we may not have the best elk hunting in the country, but we've got some very, very good elk hunting and same with deer. Um, Overall, I think New Mexico has real high quality on your normal things. Plus then we get the exotics. We have the Ibex, the Audad and the Oryx, which gives us, a lot more hunting opportunity year in and year out than, than all your other Western states. So it's really a unique place to get to outfit and guide and do all kinds of things like that. Yeah. I mean, as far as opportunity, you know, quality and opportunity, it's, I mean, I can't really think of a state that offers even close to the amount of opportunity, but while still maintaining really good quality. And when I say quality, not only quality experience, but quality animal, quality trophy. Yeah, you see some of the best deer, elk, antelope, you know, come out of New Mexico year in and year out. We just, we do really maintain the quality and a good hunting experience through our equal odds draw. What are you guys seeing as far as, you know, there's there's landowner tag opportunities with being able to purchase landowner tags. And, and let's talk specifically about elk. And then there's the, you know, the draw outside of the guided pool. And then there's the draw inside of the guided pool. Um, you know, are you seeing the price of landowner tags in New Mexico, specifically talking about elk, um, just go through the roof? And is that basically a supply and demand that's caused that? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I And it, every year, I think that they can't get any more expensive and they just get more and more expensive. Um, now, you know, when I started guiding and outfitting, you could buy a really high quality elk tag for $1,500, $2,000 in the Gila in the best units. You know, and, and, and to me at the time, that was crazy. Those same tags now are fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's just gotten, and I and honestly, Jay, I don't see a roof anywhere. It just keeps going up every year, over yeah. and over and over. Yeah, I mean, Which, it seems like there's no ceiling. It just seems like um, elk is is getting more and more and more popular. As you know, I would I would almost argue that 
the quality has kind of diminished a little bit maybe than, you know, say 15 years ago or so, especially in New Mexico. Um, with that being said, there's still some outstanding quality, but even though the quality of an, an upper end bull, let's say kind of average has gone down, the demand has gone up. Way up. Everybody wants to come out West and go elk hunting and you know they may go to somewhere like colorado or wyoming and then eventually they end up in new mexico or arizona or utah you know it, it's just a progression and 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 that demand for those big bulls is just driving those prices through the roof yeah for sure talk a little bit about um the draw for elk um and when i say the draw not the draw your company but the draw process for elk and um, maybe some thought processes with, with, you know, the Gila units and, you know, the 15, 16, 17s, and then maybe some of the, let's say easier to draw units and, and how that opportunity is offered there for people looking to apply for elk in New Mexico. Sure. Jay, uh, uh, Jason passed me the, the phone back. <laughs> um, so how I, uh, I, I kind of, uh, break it down into kind of three, uh, three particular kind of groups in, in New Mexico when we're looking at uh, a drawing and building an application strategy for a guy. And so we're going to have kind of our, our core units that are going to be primarily the, 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 the 16s uh, and 34, possibly even include 15, 13, 17 in that, you know, pretty popular units. Um, and, and rightfully so. I mean, every one of those units has a 350 plus potential uh, a lot of guys killing 300 to 320 class bulls in those units but still uh, a handful of 350 plus every year is pretty common in those units um once we kind of shift out of what i would say those those core units are then then another one to kind of make people aware of is is our northern units jay the the stuff that flies a little bit more under the radar you know, be it 51 or 52, 53, um, all of that stuff, maybe between Chama and Raton, New Mexico, those are actually some of our highest population uh, of elk and highest density of elk in the state exist up in that northern uh, part, part right there. Now, because it's the highest population, New Mexico isn't necessarily managing it for um, the, the trophy quality as much as they want to get people in the field and hunting. So overall, you're not going, it's very unlikely that you're going to kill even a 330 plus kind of bull. And maybe even a 320 is, is hard to come by, but guys who just want to go elk hunting have, uh, a real positive experience, see animals and, and, and have a chance at success. Those kind of are in their own group because there's a lot of tags, the odds of drawing, um are, are a lot better it seems like and because it's not as good of trophy quality overall and then and then the third kind of place uh and situation that exists in new mexico is what i call the fringe units and these could be anywhere from kind of out in the middle of the desert uh, the to some of these areas on the western side of the state they're just a sea of cedar trees and juniper trees uh, very hard glassing hard to to uh to to locate animals especially uh in the later seasons um and even up into kind of the prairie of the northeast of new mexico those fringe units are really some of the 
best kept secrets in the country, in my opinion, because the odds of drawing stay quite high in those places, but your overall elk density is quite low. They're not very fun places to go elk hunting if you've never done it before, but if you're ready for a next level and a chance at a next level and you would rather see one bull that is a 350 plus kind of bull than than 200 elk during the course of a five-day hunt then those fringe units can offer a guy a chance at some better odds uh, meanwhile a tough hunt typically and yet if he's successful it's as good a chance as any at a big bull so you can really shape and and shift your your strategy and how you're applying with those those three choices a lot with how glaringly different all of them are you want to just stay in historically the best places on all three choices uh, be it the gila or 34 36 those are those are going to be tough to draw but they're a good mix good age class with good populations you you want to see a lot of elk because you've never killed one and you just want the most chance of success then the northern units are going to fit the bill real well and if you've killed enough 300 inch bulls that you can't run and jump over a stack of them in your garage and you want a chance at a big bull you can still chase those odds and find some above average odds especially in the guided pool in those fringe units and in, in a lot of places in, in the state yeah absolutely um let's talk a little bit about antelope i know that the, there was a big change i believe it was last year or the year before uh, with how your private land allocation as far as where you had to hunt and, and talk a little bit about that antelope change. Yeah, Jay, back to Jason. Yeah, historically in New Mexico, you know, if you, it was basically what I, I used to refer to it as a double draw. You had to get lucky twice to get a good antelope hunt. And what, what I mean by that is you would, you'd have to first draw an antelope tag. So say you put in for unit 17 and you were successful. Well, then the department went through and assigned ranches. So maybe there was 30 successful applicants in Unit 17. You would get assigned to a certain ranch or property, and that ranch could range anywhere from 1,200 acres to 20,000 acres. And depending on where they stuck you, then that's really when you, what determined how good a hunt you were going to have. So you had to be successful basically twice to really get on a good antelope hunt. And two years ago, they looked at that, and they, they decided that, that really wasn't working. And, you know, you had this guy over here griping because he hadn't seen an antelope and this guy was seeing a hundred and it just lots of conflict. And how they resolved that is they went to a unit wide antelope assignment. So now when you draw the unit, you basically get to hunt all the public land in the unit. And in my opinion, it's one of the best things our game department has done in the last 10 years. It made the quality of our antelope hunts go through the roof, especially for a guy that's willing to put in a little time and scout the entirety of a unit and really look over the antelope that are there. You're just not bound by ranch boundaries anymore. And it's a really a good thing. So explain that one more time. Um, just to make sure I understood it that, so how do they do it now? Now, if you, in the past, if you drew it, if you drew say unit 17, yep. then you would also get assigned a ranch within unit 17 and you couldn't leave the boundaries of that ranch. Okay. Now, if you draw unit 17, you basically are allowed to hunt all public land within that unit and any private that you have permission for. So you're not bound to a specific ranch anymore. Now you actually have drawn a tag for the entire unit. So if someone had uh, contact with private property and they just needed to draw the tag. Now they just draw the tag. And then if they have permission and have an agreement with the owner, then they can automatically hunt that owner's property. Whereas before 
there were some ranches that guys really wanted to get on, but they couldn't because they would get assigned another property. Now they just have to draw the tag. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's basically it. You know, within the draw. Now you still have your private ranches that can sell private hunts, and that's outside the draw. So if you wanted, if you did have access and permission on a private ranch, you could just go and purchase a non-draw antelope tag and hunt that ranch specific. In essence, a landowner tag, a a landowner antelope tag. Correct. How do you see the quality of antelope in New Mexico? Is it holding steady? What is the trend um, as far as quality of of size? So I don't think this new system is we're able to see what it's going to do as far as size. But I think I'd say we're holding steady at this point. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, the the sheep in New Mexico. You guys, uh, and I say you guys because your home base is based in New Mexico. It's kind of your home state. Uh, you guys have Rocky Mountain Bighorn and you have Desert Bighorn. Talk about the sheep opportunities. And just to be clear to people, uh, in this draw, in essence, New Mexico, it's it's all-inclusive, where Arizona, the sheep and deer are at a different time, and the elk and antelope, New Mexico is kind of an all-at-once. Um, talk about uh, the, the different opportunities for sheep. Sure. So, um, yeah, Jay, our, our sheep herd is a rather exciting uh, thing, I, I think, uh, when we compare... Um, it's a little like some of uh, some other places and other other topics. We we may not have the most number of Rocky Mountain bighorns in the country, but the ones we do have, as a general rule, are as good as it, as anywhere in the country for the most part. Um, the desert bighorns. I don't know if I would say that unit for unit uh, as much, but we still hold our our own and a Boone and Crockett ram for either species is not completely out of the question. Uh, on any given tag that someone draws. So that's pretty special, right? Considering how many tags uh, some of these other states offer. If you get one in New Mexico, um, you've got a pretty, not just the special because you drew a sheep tag, but but uh, you're going to hunt some awfully high quality animals. I mean, case in point this year, um, the Pelin Seals Unit 27 down in the Boot Hill, it's kind of our oldest unit for Desert Bighorns, Jay. I don't, I think it's been, a few years three four years maybe five years uh that they haven't produced a 170 inch ram in that unit in four or five years this year all three tag holders on opening day uh broke the 170 mark with two rams one ram going 176 and another ram going 177 i i gotta believe those rams were there and probably would have broke 170 in the recent years at least the last year or two and and yet the the track record just didn't show that they existed there any, anymore. And well, I, I think I actually, a lot of it uh, is is who draws the tag and potentially you know win a handful of years with maybe guys that didn't hit it as hard as others. And I think that's something that when you're applying for units, you kind of got to look at is you know historically those type of rams there, and they have two or three years where maybe those rams you know don't get harvested. That that just means that potentially. You know, maybe there were conditions or something that made it where, you know, those guys didn't have the success. And I think that's where you can find, you know, some diamonds in the rough, if you will. Sure. No, I I think that's exactly right. So um, kind of breaking down how that application works, Jay, that's a little unique to New Mexico as well. 
being that we have the guided pool and and the non-resident pool the the state of new mexico kind of really thought outside the box because as it says hunt or unit in the state offering uh, enough permits to suffice either of the quotas so they they kind of rethought that process and they put everything into one application uh, and it's a, a maybe even a little bit it's not exactly but it's a, a little bit like idaho's process where now um you're there there's some good and bad there you're up against everybody you're not just up against the people who applied for the same hunts that you did you're all in it in it together and that means that those those guided pool tags or the non-resident tags could come out of any unit in any uh in either species uh which really allows you to apply freely for what you believe to be the best or the one that that you would like the most and so how it works is you can either pick rocky or you can pick desert bighorn as your first choice on the application jay and then uh, as you're submitting it, you, you would select that species and then it's going to auto populate three choices for you. And you would have three different Rocky Mountain. Say you chose Rocky as your first choice. You're going to pick three different Rocky Mountain bighorn hunts that you would like to be considered in drawing. Uh, the second choice now would be desert bighorn and you would get to also pick three completely different hunts for that essentially making your application if you stopped right there you would have six choices on your application all six of those choices are going to be looked at prior to moving to the next applicant so if we if you if you did it in a in a certain way with the rockies and the and the desert bighorns you could pick hunt codes jay that add up to 21 different uh sheep tags that are associated with your application that as long as they don't hit the non-resident quota and or the guide pool quota, whichever group you're you're in, hypothetically, you could be the 21st person to come out of the hat and you would still draw, which is pretty unique uh, the way that that works across the entire country. It, it would take some luck, in my opinion, but it's hypothetically, it's true. You could come out that late into the draw process and still snag a sheep tag obviously there's more than just 21 total in the whole game of things so maybe even if not that would mean every single applicant applied exactly how you did and you would come out 21st and still draw if some other applicants put in for different choices maybe you come out clear at number 30 there's still a non-resident tag available there's still a, num uh, a guided pool tag and you still had your name in it and had a chance at drawing it. Now, on the flip side of that, you could also code that application to where you were only going for about eight uh, tags. But it's possible to code it in a way that you're going after 21. And it's a it's a rough roll of the dice. $3,160 up front just to get your name in the hat, Jay. It is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of folks. But equal odds are the best odds. And with the way that's designed, I would argue it's one of the very best chances, especially for anybody net new to the game, wanting to be aggressive with, with sheep. You're not behind a point curve, and, and that whole process they've designed makes a lot of sense compared to most every other application in the country. Yeah, and just so I'm clear, because um, I think I just learned something uh, right there, you're saying that New Mexico gives you the preference to say, my first choice is deserts. I want my 
top three deserts, but then my second is Rocky Mountain or vice versa. You could say I my, my preference leans towards Rocky Mountain. I want to do them as my first choice and deserts as my second. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, and it doesn't it doesn't add any cost to that application. It's all still the same application. We just take the most advantage of it. Now, if you want to get real crazy and you're up for spending three grand on a U permit, you could have a third choice in there, but it would be for a U. And we don't meet very many folks that are ready to drop three grand on a on a Rocky Mountain Bighorn U. But it, it is a possibility as well um, that you could do if you wanted to. Um, fantastic. Uh, so let's talk briefly here about some of the desert choices and maybe some of the ones that you say are the higher quality units. Uh, and then the same with the Rocky. You know, um, what it, uh, what I would probably argue, I guess just even a little bit biased right now is, uh, I, I actually guided one of those, uh, desert bighorn hunts on the Palencios this year. I know, with my own two eyes that there's at least two rounds on that unit right now that are going to clear Boone and Crockett by uh, a few inches. Um, that's, that's definitely a tag that I'll be putting in for as one of my choices this year. Um, I think that the, the white sands missile range, the San Andreas, uh, South San Andreas hunt in New Mexico. I think a little bit of the reason why that one's, sticks up there so high and has probably been the best tag in the state for a number of years really lends itself to the fact that the biologists are doing what they can out there. They do the studies, they do some flyovers and they kind of keep tabs on those sheep. But overall there's a total of about 20 days of hunting uh, total for sheep. And, and then there is like one little scouting trip that folks get to come on for a couple days out of the year. But being that it's on an active military base that nobody really gets to get in there and dig around for some giant uh, that's living in a hole somewhere. And, and while year in and year out, we're seeing a a lot of 170 plus Rams come out of that unit. Um, it's really quite amazing that for all intents purposes, most of those hunters are sight unseen to that unit prior to the opening day that they're getting to go out there. So sight unseen, no scouting and still has a very high success rate of 170 plus sheep. That's insane that that there isn't much like that in, in the country. And I think any given year you could have an absolute giant come off of that mountain that's just been living in a hole somewhere um the 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 ladrones is definitely worth mentioning as well unit 1317 j um there's only two tags a year over there um they're the probably the biggest population of sheep that exists is on the caballos that's why you see that they have more tags jay but being that they've been killing about seven or eight rams a year off the caballos and, and that's mostly just an extension of the, the herd that exists on the private ranch, the Fra Cristovals, that there is also draws for. It just seems like for maybe it's genetics, maybe it's the fact that they are killing more sheep on that herd than, than any other in New Mexico. Um, but the, those tend to be a little less quality uh, on average than, than what we're typically seeing in 19 or 27, 13, and, and even the hatchets, you know, I, I didn't really mention the hatchets, but you know, the hatchets is big, crazy mountain. And 
eight out of 10 to, to a point you made earlier, eight out of 10 Rams are killed on the little hatchets. And someday somebody's going to pull a gagger off the big hatchet. Somebody's going to find some unicorn living out in the middle of nowhere that will make your heart stop on, on that big mountain. Uh, it just hasn't, it's just, it's just a matter of time. I think. What about the Rockies? So Rockies, um, you know, really our strongest sheep herd is the Pecos. Um, it's hard not to, to apply for that just for how many tags that they're giving on both hunts there. Uh, just those two selections alone is nine total tags you'd be in the runnings for. Um, I would probably argue the Wheeler is still kind of holding its own as far as a chance at a 180 plus Ram as probably the most likely chance at a 180 plus Ram. They give two tags on two different hunts there. Um, The Rio Grande Gorge is uh, a fantastic tag. If you're not really looking for a super physical hunt, Uh, those sheep kind of use that gorge to get away from predators, but particularly the Rams like to hang out up on top and up on top is nothing but flat sagebrush for miles in all directions so you drive up and down the the side of the gorge and and that hunt can be very low physicality um for guys looking for that type of experience um the the dry cimarron in 58 and uh the the cluberas is the new tag this year um that both of those, uh, it's a little bit buyer beware. The season dates are awfully appealing. It's six months long, Jay, August 15th through the January 15th. You, you pretty much just need to plan on having some sort of trespass fee to go kill a ram uh, when, when you go on that hunt. Um, the, there is kind of known herds of ewes that hang out in these units and are there pretty much all through the duration of the year. But uh, the rams come in and out a little bit, and you kind of have to be able to run and jump and get out there and then probably cut some sort of check to get onto the property that the ram is on when when it's there. So those, not my favorite at all for a non-resident, just for kind of the nature of that hunt um, and the drop-and-go kind of uh, mentality that you've got to have there. And then... Um, one of my favorites, uh, probably not for any other reason than just nostalgia, is that Unit 16, uh, 22, 23, 24. It's that San Francisco River and Turkey Creek area. It's That's uh, kind of outside of uh, the box for a Rocky. Uh, that's center of the state on the western side, um, kind of an extension, I believe, of some of the sheep in, in – uh, Arizona, as a matter of fact, that, that they're kind of that, that herd is a little bit back and forth in that big drainage in there. And uh, I would argue that's probably the least quality uh, of uh, in New Mexico uh, for a big ram, but still a great hunt and some good, you know, 170 plus sheep isn't out of the question, even in that unit. Good stuff there, um, guys. New Mexico also offers uh, opportunities at mule deer and coos deer. Um, You know, talk about uh, some of the opportunities there. Sure. So, yeah, we let's we'll start with mule deer. You know, primarily our best mule deer hunting is up in the northwest corner. They're two B or two C five. That's where most of your trophy mule deer hunters most of the people we apply that's where where they'll be applying that's the mule deer that we could pit against anyone in the 
in the country, you know, as far as our real trophy, managed for trophy units. Um, some of the other areas that are really coming on for mule deer is the southeast corner of the state, out in what we call the sand. Um, it's checkerboarded private land. It's difficult. It's, it's flat, but there's 200-inch deer killed there every year. Um, we can consult to some of those areas. And we're just like Arizona or some of the other states. We Every now and then there's just giants that show out of a random unit that no one even knew was there. Um, a lot of New Mexico is managed for opportunity rather than for trophy quality. And that's probably true through most of the center of the state. It's it's get people deer hunting rather than trophy deer hunting. But there are, there are still, for your quality guys, there are good, good draws and um, some really good mule deer hunting. And if you talk about coos, Jay, um, we, we have limited coos deer. We only have about four units that hold coos deer in New Mexico, and they're all on the Mexico and Arizona border where we where we touch the base, you know, the core of the coos deer habit is Arizona and Mexico. And we're on the fringe side of it, and that's your 22, 23, 16B, 27, 26 type units right there along the border. Um, we don't have a lot of coos deer tags, and they're pretty sought after. Um, but we do have some pretty decent coos deer and lots of good forest access for your, for your DIY guy or your, you guy that doesn't want to pay a trespass fee. There's lots of coos deer on public land in New Mexico. Okay. Um, let's talk about exotics with, um, the Ibex and the Oryx and the Audad, uh, pretty unique opportunity there to have those three species. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about the Oryx and I'll let Jordan talk about the Audad. Um, and the ibex uh oryx we got basically three three different sets of hunts in new mexico we have what we call an on-range hunt and those are the those are the once in a lifetime tags on white sands missile range and that's the most sought after that's what most guys want is that once in a lifetime opportunity to hunt white sands missile range you know there's about eight hunts every year that are conducted over friday saturday sunday type time time frames um hard to draw low odds pretty sought after um success rates are really high 95 97 100 percent success if you can get on that hunt but the draws are really really tough even in the even in the guided pool even in the non-resident pool it's that the odds are really really tough for those so a lot of guys seek to do the what we call the off range so that's all the public land outside of the white sands missile range and those are a lot lower success, but for a guy that's got the time and willing to put in the effort, you you can and will be successful on those hunts. So a lot of guys who just want to get on an oryx hunt that we consult, that's a lot better option if you just want to go oryx hunting is to draw one of those, um, what we call off the range hunts, and they're typically 30 days long and give a guy time to work in his schedule. And I prefer those. Um, that's what I apply for every year. I I enjoy them and it's it's really a good route. And then we have a very small section of hunts on the McGregor range, which is a different military installation. And those are not once in a lifetime. So a lot of time guys have drawn there once in a lifetime, had a great hunt or didn't have a great hunt. That McGregor range, a couple of hunts a year on there. Um, those can be good options as well. So I'll, uh, I'll jump into Audad and Ibex. Yep. Jay? Yep. Perfect. So Audad, uh, super exciting uh to be honest jay i'm i'm a sucker they're one of my absolute favorite uh things on on earth to go hunting and the anomaly of 
a public land experience for them is is pretty shocking to me it still is even though i've been in new mexico almost 20 years now um the uh w- really what's happening it, that's that's been an exciting thing the last couple of years is they it used to be in february was the only season through the draw process and it, and the the areas that you would hunt are the same as they are today except it was a one month season and there was 600 tags per per area and everybody's out there at the same time new mexico about two years ago decided that that our herd really was blowing up there's a lot more audad across the state than there has been in a long time and to uh, increase the number of tags that they were issuing they they also wanted to increase the experience that people were having and so they broke those down into four different rifle seasons starting in october with only 100 tags in unit 29 and 30 and 75 tags in in what we call the the region the you know 32 34 36 and 37 um that is meant to be a rut hunt it is amazing i actually drew one of those tags myself this year down in 29 and 30 and i've hunted a number of places in west texas uh i would put it up against anything even public land the way it was it that rut really just like any species we were not used to hunting them that time of year here and it was absolutely incredible um the number of big rams that we were seeing 10 year old rams i mean that's probably the core of it for me jay is it's not very often you you get to go hunt 10 year old animals on public land free range and and do do it yourself if you if you would like to and yet that exists in those odd ads so moving forward into december january february there's about 250 to 200 tags per hunt uh it spaces everybody out a lot better the state is accomplishing their goal by issuing more tags creating more opportunity and yet the overall experience for everyone it is a lot higher because there's a fraction of the people in the field every time you're out there um success rates uh, are definitely a little higher on the October hunt, and then they kind of uh, whittle themselves down a little bit. To, uh, we're having one right now, actually, in February, and I'm curious to see what the success rates are going to be because we're all snowed in and ice and fog, and it's pretty. Those those guys they draw drew a great tag, but they got uh, uh, the short end of the stick when it came to conditions for this week uh, that they're out there. So. Um, one of the most exciting things in New Mexico, I think, is those odd ad J. Um, the guided pool odds are, you know, instead of being in the non-resident pool where a guy probably has about a less than 5% chance across the board, um, some of those guided pool odds in that happen to be as high as 33 and 38% chance of drawing. I mean, it's substantially better in the guided pool. Um, so if guys are looking to check the box on that species, and you feel like at the end of the day, you're probably going to get a guide anyways, uh, getting lined up with one for that species, even if that's all it is, is definitely um, a pretty glaring choice uh, when it comes to how a guy would build his own application strategy. Um, the Ibex, on the other hand, for as exciting as the Oryx and, and the Audat are, Jay, the Ibex, to be honest with you right now, uh, we did have a fundamental change this year that came down the pipeline. They have been doing 
uh, aggressive culling for about the last six years on the Florida mountains. Um, they were issuing even up to last year, 300, uh, nanny slash immature Billy tags, um, during the course of the year. And they've whittled that down to 80 from 300 to 80. And then the other thing that they did is last year and, and for the last number of years, if you killed a nanny, and you turn that back into the state game of fish department, you are entered into one more chance to draw a billy tag. They've they've discontinued that whole process. So the incentive program is what they were calling it, no longer exists. They dropped the number of nanny tags uh, substantially. And for all of us that love that mountain and have spent a lot of time up there, we it didn't it, it couldn't have happened soon enough. And we're just thanking God that, that they finally stopped what the massacre that they've been doing for the last number of years up there. Um, when I first started hunting Jay, if you glassed your guts out and you hiked as hard as you could, there was always a couple folks a year that would kill a 50 inch Billy or, or, you know, even just over 50 inches on that mountain. And with equal or more effort <laughs> now, you might, run into a 40 inch billy uh, our age class has completely gone up there um most guys are shooting 34 to, to 38 inch ibex uh and and if you truly do find a 40 nowadays that is something to write home about um and overall just completely different when i first moved here you, you if you sat down on south peak as the sun went down and the, and that aspen glow hit that mountain if you didn't see two or 300 Ibex in an evening, you didn't look up at the mountain for very hard at all. And now you can spend entire evenings in the same location and glass till your eyes bleed. And some evenings you, you may not even see any. It, they, they have taken that herd uh, down to sub a thousand animals, in, in my opinion. And, and at one point it was probably closer to four or five thousand head up there so uh we're all hoping the bleeding stops we're hoping that being that they are quite prolific uh in their breeding and that the nannies are are prone to have even two kids a year that we can see a quick recovery and and hopefully uh a more substantial herd but it's it's not a not a beautiful time to be in new mexico for ibex hunting unfortunately yeah, man, that's too bad. I hate to hear that for sure. Um, I never caught the Ibex bug, but I know some that have, and it's it's too bad to hear that that's happened. Um, guys, here in we've covered a lot of ground in the short amount of time that we have left. Um, Want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about how you guys operate at the draw and any last final thoughts on you, what you want to express to people listening about your service and how you can help them not only in New Mexico, but in these other states with the draws and, and, and how you operate. Sure, Jay. Um, mostly uh, our goal, Jay, is, is simple. We're very engaged with customers. We, we like long conversations, especially when we're just getting to know somebody. Our goal is to ask as many probing questions as we can to truly dive into and and learn about what the guy that that's on the phone or the girl that's on the phone what their goals are and you know we want to break it down into deer elk and antelope we want to break it down in a different way for sheep moose and goat we want to understand 
what weapon is their kind of go-to favorite flavor and we want to understand how often in the next 10-year period they would like to go hunt for the species that they're losing sleep over and once we can kind of dig all that information out and and get it all on the table then we do what we do best and we build these hunt plans and we address all of these goals and all of these uh dreams that they've had and we put a plan in place and we start executing that plan and we lean on the different subtle differences in each of these different states and how their draw processes work to create opportunities a lot faster than most people think is possible and and we we send guys as often as they want to go hunting uh for whatever species especially deer elk and antelope we can have them on a hunt every year for the next 10 years if they if they would like and progressively getting better and better all the time but not necessarily uh it's it's good high quality stuff it's stuff that people just don't understand is out there and it and and it's hard to do all the research i mean most of us have been doing this for close to a decade now and and we have it it's all right in front of us and we just start plugging in based on the customer goals and it works very well we send a lot of people hunting yeah, you guys do a great job. I get feedback every year from guys that have uh, enlisted your services and called and talked to you and how helpful you guys all are as a company. It's great to see you growing so much and, and you know, fulfilling a lot of the needs out there of, of people. Um, I really appreciate you guys spending extensive time here explaining the different um, opportunities in New Mexico and uh, look forward to chatting with you about these other states as well. Um, want to give you guys a chance to let uh, people know the best way to reach out and connect. And I'll also link that up in the show notes uh, of this podcast. Perfect. Uh, thanks, Jay. Yeah, they can uh, reach us. Uh, our phone number is uh, great, 575-222-1234, Jay. Uh, they can hit us up on Instagram at we are the draw or on our Facebook, The Draw. Um, and they could even, even go straight to our website, www.thedraw.com. And uh, the other thing I was going to add, too, I kind of added this on the last one, Jay, that we did, but uh, they haven't released yet. But I wanted to encourage your listeners, if they want to read a little more and get a little bit deeper thoughts, uh, we, we just got finished with uh, all of the different application strategies on gohunt.com. And so those should be releasing here in the next uh, i gotta think in the next week or two weeks um there's three of them and we break down a little bit further a little bit deeper um, than even we're capable of of cramming into an hour here so watch for those we just finished writing them all and we're excited for guys to read them and and uh if they have questions based on the podcast or on what they read on gohunt.com on the insider uh let us know we'd love to help Awesome. Uh, thanks for coming on and sharing with us. God bless you guys. And uh, we'll be chatting at you down the road here. Okay. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. All right, thanks, guys. Jay. All right.